Welcome to the HBK High Performance Podcast with Michael B. Ross, a podcast designed to help leaders develop the character, skills, and passion needed to lead fulfilled and impactful lives. Here's Michael. Well, good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. This is Michael B. Ross, and I'd like to welcome you to the HBK High Performance Podcast. I hope that the sun is shining and the birds are chirping in your life, and I hope all your dreams are coming true. Before we get started today, as I always like to mention, if you hear one good thought, one good phrase, or one good idea from this podcast, I'd ask you to put that thought, phrase, idea into absolute immediate action. It is the application of our education that makes the biggest difference in our world. And the number one regret of the dying is that they did not live a life true to who they knew they should be. They instead lived their life based upon the expectations of others. I've talked about this before but there is deep resonating psychology that we have three brains. We have our head brain, we have our heart brain, and we have our gut brain. Your gut brain is the one who leads you to action in an inspiring way. So make sure that you follow your gut when your gut tells you to move. And here's what I do know. As being a coach for about 11 years, I've found that more people, vast majority, I'd say nine and a half out of 10, the vast majority of people don't regret taking action. They regret not taking action. So make sure you take action. So I have a special guest with us here today. We have Julian Kiefer, who is a certified life and business coach with HBK High Performance. And she has a very, very special niche inside of the leadership and culture industry. And that is our focus at High Performance is leadership and culture. But her specific focus, which I cannot wait for you to hear more about today, is how to lead like a coach. And I'm going to allow her to talk more about this, but Julene is a great member of our team. She's been with us for two years, and she just continues to wow and accelerate our growth at High Performance. She takes care of our clients. She does a little bit of everything. She's kind of our Swiss army knife in some ways. There isn't much she can't do. And so I thought it'd be appropriate as she continues to expand and continues to expand her client base and continues to expand in her expertise. I thought it would be a great treat for our audience to hear from her today. So Julene, I'd like to welcome you. Thanks for joining us today. Great to be here, Michael. Well, awesome. So I like to ask this question to everybody when they come on the podcast, because this is a leadership and culture podcast. So what is the biggest lesson you've learned in leadership, about leadership? Take me from the top and, and walk me through the biggest lesson you've learned about leadership through your years of research, study, and experience. Yeah, it's a great question, Michael. I, I think for me, um, the biggest lesson about leadership or the, the biggest lesson learned is the one I've learned most recently. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, right, right. As you continue to grow, um, you learn these along the way and they just become building blocks for leadership. And the one lesson that I've learned recently, at least phrased this way, the great paradox of leadership is that it's not about you. Yeah. And it's all about you. And the paradox being these two opposing ideas within the same thought. You know, how can leadership both be not about you and all about you? You know, so when we look at 
it not being about you, we look at the definition of leadership, really a very simple definition, at least for me, is someone who realizes and maximizes the potential in someone, which sounds a lot like coaching, which is why I love leadership. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to have this innate interest to maximize people. I mean, start with love people. If you can't start there, don't even start <laughs> with leadership. So in, in one sense, leadership is, it's not about you. And then there's this other side where it's all about you. And you have this exceptional self-leadership that we need because the most important person that you'll ever lead is yourself. So that, that's what I'm learning uh, most recently. Well, that's, I mean, that is such a deep concept, you know, um, and it is, it's, it's, there's a fine balance there and it's really, really is hard to lead ourselves. And it's hard because, you know, there's, there's persona and there's expectations of others and there's our own, you know, the Jahari window, things we don't know about ourselves that others know. And there's things that we don't know about ourselves that nobody else knows and all these unknowns. So when it comes to self-leadership, what some specific things that you tell your clients to do to become more self-aware so that they can lead better? Absolutely. And that's a great point. The Jahari window is, is a great tool uh, to use for coaching because I, I think it's easier to see maybe sometimes in, in other people and other leaders, there's so many leaders who are just blowing up everywhere. They, they blow up their organizations. They blow up their staff teams because they don't lead themselves well. And I, I think for me, it, one decision I, I had to make as a leader is um, I will not lead myself by myself. Okay. And I think for leaders, that's important. I will not lead myself by myself. I'm not the only person that shapes who I am and who I've become, you know, who we are, you know, and there's different ways to, to put a template around that, but you know, we are shaped by, you know, repetition, visual, auditory, kinetic experiences, but we're also shaped by significant emotional events in our life. And some of those events are, you know, there are events and there's people and those things, those experiences, what happens in our brain is when those, ev- those events happen and those people in our life that happen to us and, and we experience them, they shape the belief systems that drive our behavior. So until we start looking at what are some of those beliefs that are, are driving our performance, it's going to be really difficult to be able to go forward because we don't understand how we even got here in the first place. So I think a good place to start with self-leadership is being extraordinarily self-aware. You have to be willing to take some assessments. And many times we say these as tests, and I I don't like that word, personality tests, as if there's a right or a wrong. You know, um, I have a clinical background in mental health, so assessments, are just snapshots of you at that moment in time. If you were to take a selfie right now, that's that's what an assessment is. There, there are certain things that are the same over time, but sometimes the scenery changes, you know? So, um, and I think where we get stuck is we get stuck on the judging. 
We judge yeah. it as good or yeah. bad. Wait, we yeah. judge our emotions yeah. as good or bad. We judge everything as good or bad, <laughs> which is the yeah. wrong framework to look at self-leadership and self-management. Right. It's not good or bad, but you have to start with what, what is. You know, I, I remember back in, back in the days when we used to go to a shopping mall, a, a big shopping mall that you never went to before. And um, I'm someone who looks for directions. Like if I want to go to Macy's, I want to know where Macy's is. So you would find these kiosks in the middle before Google <laughs> existed. Yeah, yeah. But what you looked for on the map, Michael, was you are here. That's the most important piece. Where are you? And then you know where to go. So that's how personality assessments, you could take a Myers-Briggs type indicator, you can take the disc. This, I have tons of resources for that because always taking snapshots of where you're at because you have to know where you're at to know what you need to do to get where you're going or you're going to get stuck. And you have to be okay with understanding that you do have some constraints on your personality you know there's a big push for being strengths focused and I'm, I'm all about that I coach that way but that also comes with the awareness of knowing what is it that's likely going to keep you up at night what's likely going to sabotage yeah. your way forward what are what's likely inside of you that's going to sabotage your own movement forward and that, that's where coaching becomes so so important to help in those situations where there's roadblocks. But start start with where you are. That's my thought. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I think that goes into my next question pretty, pretty easily. What an easy segue. To ask a candid question is, you know, not just where are we, but what, what do you see as the biggest problem in leadership today? Another great question, Michael. Uh, I could probably talk about this one for a long time. Yeah, for a while. Right. Here's, um, here's my first thought on this question, you know, particularly when it, we're talking about leadership and organizations and businesses. And I, this might be something you've heard before, but people don't quit their jobs. They quit their bosses. People don't quit their jobs. They quit their bosses. So what that says to me is, What's wrong with leadership is that there's a lack of insight. There's a lack of awareness. Insight is the ability to see inside yourself. That's not always something that you can do by yourself. This is where, where um, feedback and you know where leaders can get snafu'd <laughs> because they're not willing to hear feedback because that might right. be hard. Right. It might be difficult. It, it might challenge them. And if you're coming from the mindset of I'm the boss and I have the answers, well, <laughs> you know, especially with organizations, you want to grow your business, you want to grow your organization, but you're not looking at the big gigantic holes in your pockets that are blowing up your budget, which is going to be your turnover. What is happening? in your organization because people aren't leaving their jobs. They're quitting their managers. And because managers aren't leading well, people are leaving. So that is, at least according to Gallup, Gallup has done decades of research and you know, Ivy League schools are talking about Gallup, uh, Society for Human Resource Management's talking about this research. But what they're finding is turnover is a 
$1 trillion a year problem. It's $1 trillion a year. And it's 100% fixed. So when you look at, you know, oh, I just, if you're reframing why people are leaving your organization as, well, they didn't belong or they're unhappy people, right. this is where the insight comes from. Take a look at yourself and take a look at your managers and how they're leading or not leading people because you'll get much better results. Yeah. When you focus on the culture and the environment that you're cultivating, and you're creating an environment whether you're aware of it or not, the benefit to you as a leader, as, as, an, as an owner or a manager in a company is to be mindful of the environment that you're creating. So for me, I think that's one, one thing is, is the lack of insight, the lack of insight yeah. for uh, managers. Um, another problem that I see is um, not executing or applying what is learned. You start off your podcast, which I love every week. You hear one good thought, one good idea, apply it. I know people who, who will out-read me. Now, I'm a lifelong learner, so I'm, I'm a podcast junkie. I'm a learning junkie, but I also apply that stuff. And I know people who will read books, go to training, do webinars, and they have so little execution on what they're right. learning. Right. But, but, and they'll even share it. They'll even talk about it. They'll even do a training on it with their staff. But there's no execution, there's no application. That word ajuko, which I learned from you, Michael, means draw out. It doesn't mean hoard in. It doesn't really matter to me how many degrees you have after your name or how many certificates you have on your resume of what you've learned. If you're not applying anything or at least taking risks and see what works, because I'm, I'm not in it to be right. I'm in it to get it right. Yeah. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna execute and I may mess it up, but I'm gonna do it failing forward. That's how I, yeah. I'm gonna do that. So um, so lack of insight, not executing on what they're learning. And I think one other thing I would like to mention is is a lack of vibrant accountability. We <laughs> use that word accountability like it's a death sentence where people right, are afraid right. of it afraid of crucial conversations, you know, where the stakes are high, there's opposing views, and there's a lot at stake. We avoid these conversations. And when we don't harness the power of accountability, we're really missing the boat on the feedback and the communication. So many of the people, that, the clients that we work with, communication is a huge factor in their culture. We all say it, but a lot of it comes down to there's so little accountability. We don't require people, and, and I'm talking about behaviorally as well, not just producing stuff. You know, I think there's so much emphasis on production that we're missing this, this emotional intelligence piece here. You know, your intelligence is basically a fixed asset that you have. It's not going to change much over time, but your emotional intelligence can grow. And your intelligence will get you in the door, but your emotional intelligence is usually what gets you fired because you have so little of it. <laughs> that's so interesting. No, I just, I, I think that's, you know, insight, feedback, 
self-awareness and it sounds you know you, you've heard it i've heard it where there are leaders that we've worked with who at least initially say well it sounds like fluffy stuff and you know you just made a point about how important eq is you know, emotional intelligence and how turnover costs businesses one trillion dollars per year and you know I've seen the statistics that if you're if you have turnover you have to replace a higher level employee it, it costs up to 300% of their annual salary to replace them it's 150 to 200% of a middle level manager and then about 100% it costs you it costs you double to replace someone than it does to keep them so it's and and you also lose all that traction and all that momentum that you built with that person. So that is so, so interesting. Why do you think, I'm gonna ask a little follow-up question to this. Why do you think it's so hard for leaders to get the insight and the feedback and to be really self-aware? What do you think the real block is there? Is it a self-esteem, a self-image, a, you know, uh, you know, I always used to like, I, I say this all the time, it's, you know, if you say something to some business owners, they get defensive about their company. It's like I told them their baby's ugly. And that's not what I try to do at all. I'm just trying to bring truth to the situation because you can work with truth. I can't work with, you know, uh, falsity. So what do you think it is that causes some leaders to not want to hear feedback? Uh, another great question. I, I think that there, there's been this shift in this work in the workplace, you know, and as, as our society develops and as technology advances and we're in the, the information age, we're, we're no longer in the, you know, um, we're no longer in agriculture or industrial. We, we've had a shift in the workforce. And with that, there's also been, um, as leadership has developed, you know, over the last at least 50 years. I mean, you really didn't talk about leadership, you know, 150 years ago. So yeah. leadership in a sense has been a, a newer concept, but as we've developed and as humanity has developed and neurosciences and all this, is, this explosion has happened, you know, our brains are wired for survival. And that worked for us <laughs> when we were, you know, an agrarian society where we had to, you know, sustain our own food and all of that, you know, but as we grow and develop, so the shift in the workplace has been, it used to be, you went to work for a paycheck, you went to work for benefits. What am I getting? Okay. But now, as we look at 51% of the workforce now, the full-time workforce are millennials, they're not wired that way. They're wired for what is my purpose? How can I develop? How can I grow? How can my strengths benefit the organization? And how, how can I have an application for that? My, my job isn't a, a nine to five thing that I do. It's now my, it's, it's part of who I am. So, being unaware of these big, huge shifts that have happened in the workforce, I think is one, one area that leaders who are in positions today, you know, they, they've missed some of this, this information. And 
And I think too, some, sometimes with age, you know, as you get closer to retirement, we tend to take less risks. We want things to be comfortable. We don't want to, you know, make these big decisions and we just kind of want to coast into retirement. Well, right. we don't have that luxury anymore with the world that we live in, with the global economy. We don't. Yep. But we've not, we've been very comfortable as, as, as the older that you get in terms of, well, I, no one's ever required this of me. No one's ever required me to be a leader. No one's ever re required this of me. And even now, as we, as this information becomes available to us, these great resources become available to us. Well, I don't, I don't need to do that. And then we don't hold our leaders accountable for growing either. So it's a very simplistic definition, but I, I think that adds to the conversation. Yeah, and it is something, you know, it's like we talk about in dynamic leadership. And, I mean, we as leaders, we're social scientists. It's how do I take this expert skill and this knowledge and pass it on and duplicate myself in others? How do I get duplication within the organization? There's too much, as Ray Canelli, one of our other coaches, says all the time, Blaming, complaining, and deflecting when it comes to the responsibility of the organization, the responsibility of the leaders. And if there's a lack of growth, well, it's really the leader needs to take a good hard look in the mirror before they ever look at putting responsibility or onus on anyone else. I just think that's so fascinating, though. The it's not even it's not a phenomenon. It's very consistent that leaders get very defensive when you talk about their entity. And for us, you know, as coaches, we're, we're not trying to put them down. We're saying, hey, you've got these big dreams. There's roadblocks in the way. Let's look at the roadblocks and, and not beat around the bush and figure out how to overcome those roadblocks. We are going to stop right there for this week. Join us next time as we continue with the second half of Michael's interview with Julene Kiefer. Be sure to take immediate action on the ideas that compelled you from today's podcast. For information about the courses, resources, and services available from HBK High Performance, visit hbkln.com.